Hammer and Stitch makes a COVID debut. This is a Birvana audio blog. Please forgive verbal stumbles and fumbles. And when you're done listening, consider a pint from Birvana's partners, Guinness Brewing of Dublin, Ireland, and Baltimore, Maryland, Freem Family, Family Brewers of Hood River, Oregon, and Rubens Brews of Seattle, Washington. Their support makes this site possible. We learned this week that COVID didn't stop the explosion of new breweries from opening even during a global pandemic. The U.S. now has nearly 9,000 of them. One of Portland's most anticipated debut comes from Widmer alum Ben Dobler, who quietly opened his new place, Hammer and Stitch, last October. The continuing new brewery explosion has created specialization as breweries focus on segments or niches. Generalist breweries may find themselves lost in the scrum. The way to stand out is by focusing on hazy IPAs or sour and barrel-aged beers or lagers. Since it's vanishingly hard now to grow a startup to regional or national size, the smart money is on focus. Ben has done that, but in a rather unexpected twist, his niche is regular drinkers. Back to basics. Usually brewery reviews, much like brewery tours, end with the beer. Let's start there instead. In a very diverse, competitive Portland market, finding a new lane is hard. Hammer and Stitch, located just about halfway between Breakslide, Slabtown, and Great Notion Northwest, found it less by looking around than back to an earlier era in American craft brewing when pale ales, ambers, and porters dominated the scene. Breweries still occasionally make them, but Dobler thinks they should be at center stage. The core line reflects that, with those three styles plus an American-inflected pale lager and a throwback IPA. Here it's the hazy that's the occasional beer. Quote, I would like to see people get back to basics, crisp, easy drinking lagers and some maltier beers, ambers, and English style beers, Ben said. Don't get me wrong, IPAs are amazing, but there's just so so much more to beer than just hops. This reflects Ben's conviction that there are a lot of drinkers out there who want a more European experience one where beer accentuates the social aspect rather than just being the diva at the center of the table. He and head brewer Cameron Murphy have created beers of balance and modest intensity, like the lagers of Bavaria and Czechia or the Cascales of the UK, hoping people will settle into a session with them the way a family enjoys sipping half liters under the chestnut trees of a beer garden. This may be a bit more forward-thinking than geezers like me realize. Many younger drinkers have rarely seen these styles. An amber ale, hopelessly passe to drinkers over 40, is, the new creature to the, is a new creature to those under 30. With decades of experience, Ben and Cam have updated these beers so they are cleaner and crisper than those old caramel bombs and also feature more modern hop flavors. They've already watched as young drinkers embrace them without irony, and Ben notes that women in particular seem to enjoy them. Looking around at a crowd of millennials enjoying amber ales might even encourage older drinkers to approach them with a fresh appreciation. Slabtown's latest. A few short years ago, the Slabtown neighborhood of northwest Portland was a lonely tract of warehouses and parking lots bordered by a freeway. It is now becoming a dense neighborhood of chic pop-up apartment buildings and a growing number of breweries. Hammer and Stitch now occupies a third of the 18,000-square-foot building formerly occupied by Clear, Clear Creek Distillery on Northwest Wilson. It's a quiet pocket of the old neighborhood north of the freeway that still has some homes amid industrial buildings. Building a brewery and brand from the ground up has some advantages. Hammer and Stitch has a very clean, spare brand aesthetic, and that's mirrored in the whitewashed open concept brewery. 
Although it's set in the back corner, the brewery's gleaming steel instantly becomes the focal point no matter where you are inside. The ownership structure includes silent partners with relevant experience, one of whom has a background in marketing. Ben wanted the brewery to be prominent and accessible, no glass walls or physical separation. Brewery theater, Ben said, repeating the marketing language they used as shorthand when designing the space. I was repelled by the name at first, but it's what we wanted, an open brewery right there. Drinkers can sit immediately adjacent to the brewery, or if they're lucky enough to grab a seat at the bar, have an even better view of any wort that might be making its way through the steel. If they see someone working there, it's liable to be Cameron Murphy, whom Ben met while they worked at Laurelwood together a few years back. He came on as head brewer, Ben's title as brewmaster, and recently joined the ownership group. He will work the deck of a two-vessel system made by Agile Stainless, just a few miles north of the brewery. They expect to add a whirlpool as production picks up, but for now the stripped-down system works fine. It's an interesting arrangement. In an interesting arrangement, the brewery has partnered with Alex Chong of Grand Cru Hospitality to run the full kitchen on site. It's the group that does the same thing for Stormbreaker. For breweries who don't want to manage a kitchen, this partnership offers a more seamless variation of the increasingly popular taproom and food truck setup. Old port learners enjoying an amber ale are likely to smile at the menu too, which offers, uh, which includes JoJo's and fried seafood typical of the beach haunts of yesteryear. The beer. The beer is familiar, familiarly beery, whether you came into adulthood on amber ales or not. Yet it's also slightly updated. The lager is a good example. Ben and Cam used an old American template rather than something European, Hellas or Pilsner, deploying six-road malt and corn in the grist. Yet the hops, which are delicate and unobtrusive, are modern varieties, Idaho 7 and cashmere. The cashmere with its sprightly lemongrass notes stand out. The hops aren't aggressive in the slightest. The level of intensity is barely above a helices. Yet to anyone paying attention, they taste American, not European. It's a clever union of the older and newer meanings of American. Cashmere makes an appearance in a few of the beers and signals a bright citrusy house character that infects, inflects the beer in greater or lesser measure, depending on the style. This is intentional. I'm going to use three to five hops in a blend, Cam said. We're not going to focus on varieties. In the pale, Cashmere joins Chinook, Cascade, and Azaka for an update on the classic all-Cascade originals from the 1980s. The character is similar, but more nuanced and fuller, more chorus than soloist. It also skips the caramel entirely, finding body and maltiness in aromatic Munich instead. It tends toward bread rather than toffee. The Amber is in some ways the most interesting beer. How do you update a beer that seems, apologies, frozen in amber? The late 80s, early 90s versions were made with too much caramel malt, often with nothing else in the grist. They were sweet, very caramely, and one-dimensional. The flavor of caramel does go beautifully with citrus hops, though, so Ben and Cam retooled theirs using two varieties of English malt, a bit of caramel, and a bit of chocolate malt to create a more three-dimensional caramel base. And it definitely is caramely, but there's a distinct breadiness and a hint of raisin. It's also quite a bit drier than those ambers of a generation ago. To finish it off, they placed a nice dollop of their citrusy hops on top to preserve the classic two-note harmony that once dominated Oregon taps. It tastes like an amber ale, but it doesn't feel nostalgic. In general, I would describe the beers as bright and clean, no surprise given the experience of the brewers. The IPA is the only truly old-school beer in the house. An IPA should have crystal or caramel malt in it, Ben argued. It should have a backbone. I'm not sure that's still conventional wisdom, but H&S's IPA delivers the good, the goods. It has a fuller body and a kiss of caramel, 
though the bitterness is moderate and it does have a more modern juiciness. Possibly my favorite beer is the Porter, which offers a perfect balance between roast and red fruit with just the right density to support both. Porters are hard to balance and usually have too much roastiness or too much sweetness. Finally, the brewery also has a line of one-offs and their raspberry stout, very cozy, is exceptional. Hammer and Stitch broke ground in December 2019, having no idea that a tiny infectious agent was about to turn the world upside down. They had the ill fortune of trying to open just as the cold weather arrived and sent the number of infections skyrocketing. Soon the country would be shut down again and no one would be headed to the pubs. They managed to create some outdoor seating, but few braved the cold for the next few months. It's spring now, and the vaccine is here. Hammer and Stitch have been open for seven months, but most Portlanders haven't been tracking the movements of breweries. Over the next few weeks, more and more people will begin venturing out and trying to return to a more normal life. For them, Hammer and Stitch will, be the, still, will still be the new kid in town. So go give the brewery a look and prepare to do it right. Stay a bit, have at least a couple pints, and enjoy some conversation. That's the reason Ben and company made this place.